You're listening to No Dice, No Problem, a new monthly Asians represent variety show hosted by Drew Kwan and me, Daniel Kwan, on the One Shot Podcast Network. Check out uncut video and other exclusive content at patreon.com slash AZNS represent. Are you like a Shark Week fan or do you, do you watch Shark Week? It is a thing. But it's not like That's a thing it. you... Okay. I used to really love Shark Week and my mom would like tape it on VHS whenever it happened and then I would just like watch the crap out of it. Yeah. Um, um, sharks are cool. Weeks are cool. But for whatever reason, like... Not your thing. It's not, it's not even not my thing. It's just that Shark Week never entered the, the zeitgeist of my family structure. So right. I never grew up watching it. So it just wasn't ever a thing. Oh, okay. That, that's that's so understandable. You mentioning Shark Week right now is is my method of oh, <laughs> it was Shark Week. I did not. It, realize it exists, this. and I don't know if it was Shark Week, but it was like because I always thought Shark Week was on Discovery Channel, but this was on Nat Geo. But they they are really like grasping for episodes. Mm, yeah. They were like, oh, these. There was this one episode where this this guy got bitten by a shark, and the whole episode was about whether or not his particular kind of surfboard was sticking to his skin, causing squeaking underwater that attracted the shark. And I was like, God, God, it's but just not, hey, as, it's just not as good anymore. Listen, you love to see it, right? Nat Geo. What's the other one that you mentioned? Discovery. Discovery. Listen, it's all competition in the marketplace. It's a capitalist dream. Multiple shark weeks. <laughs> Multiple shark weeks until there's just the shark channel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, there's just, a monopoly, just shark channel, and it's shark week every week. And it alternates between, you know, educational programming and the Meg over mm. and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, actually, I really like the Meg. I really, really, really like that movie. <laughs> I'm, is that the one with Jason Statham? Yeah, and Rain Wilson. I've never, I've never seen it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually like, it's really good. It's not I've like only it's seen... a high cinema, but it's good. No, I've only seen the scene where uh, on YouTube where the the Megalodon first shows itself and chomps on the other like great white shark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's all I've seen of it. it. It's it's a good movie. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, there's it's, the, it's, the sequel it's... is coming out. <laughs> it's based on a book, by the way. I don't know. if you Really? Know the Meg is based on a book. Um, it's It's based on like a series of books. Um, it is based on a book called Meg, a novel of deep terror from 1997, uh, uh by Steve Alton. And then there is a, uh, a sequel called, um, what was it? The Meg two is coming out and it's called Meg Two: the trench. And it's based on, oh, the trench Meg two is the book what happens they, when they world war one soldiers <laughs> encounter the Megalodon. <laughs> In France. You know what would make Verdun better? A shark. Megalodon just flopping around in no man's land. (laughs) It's thumping around. You feel vibrations in the trenches. They go, that must be artillery. (laughs) But there's no sound. (laughs) It's just like flesh slapping, you know? Or, or, here's a thought. It's a land shark, and it's, there has been so much blood shed in no man's land that it, it has swim. it can swim exactly holy shit there's so much blood in no man's land that it's it's made the dry earth like soft and malleable and it awakens 
this shark and it begins swimming. The fin comes out of no man's land, cunning across. Oh, that'd you know, be cool. all I all I want now from <laughs> this is I actually just want a like prequel, like a World War One Tremors movie. Okay, how would you do it? So, so there's dirt, right? So there's and dirt, there, and there's these creatures, <laughs> right? Yes, and they move through the dirt. And yes. what is World War One if not just a shit ton of dirt? It's just a lot of dirt. So it's just a lot of dirt, and, and all the constant shelling. Yeah, uh, awakens it, something deep. It awakens down. all of these yeah, creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it awakens all the the redditors, and they have to get up to the surface again. So what you're saying is, fuck the whole like, oh, supernatural World War One movies. We want sci-fi. World we World want. We, we want like want absurd creature horror. I guess that's still I guess that's still supernatural horror. I guess that's but we want comedy horror like Tremors. I want listen, we need more horror comedy. I said in that. one of the most gruesome wars of all time, World War One. Yeah. 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 I'm actually really into this idea of a land shark. Yeah. I kinda like that. Like the the idea uh, that it that it the bloodshed of the war enables it i really like that the the D bullet is like one of my favorite creatures of all time like i even oh, yeah. have i even have the little vinyl dude oh them. cute uh for for those who don't know uh they sell these like vinyl figures of different like like chibi versions of different D mm. monsters and stuff so i have like the bullet i have the um displacer beast right here oh cute little cutie I have a silver dragon. I also have the gif, um, the hippo dudes. Hold on, I gotta grab it. It's... All right. Oh yeah, Bye. I've got that one. Watsy sent that to me God, when Spell Spell Jabber came out. <laughs> <laughs> I think the gif are stupid, but I, in this form, they're awesome. I really, I don't own any of like aside from that one that was sent to me. I don't think I've ever bought a like a D and D. Like figurine. piece of DD figurine like that. Like, I like not a miniature, but like, like kid stuff. You never like, bought memorabilia. Yeah. There is one that I really want. I want the Thember showed uh Funko Pop. Oh yeah. I want that shit That's so cool. bad. It's just this chonky, chonky ass dragon in Funko Pop form. I want that one so bad. Yeah, but, I yeah. did not pay full price for any of these. I found them. In the dentending section of Miniature Market, sponsor us. We talk so about Miniature Market every listen, single episode. Listen, every if single don't episode. Know, go to Miniature Market for all your miniature marketing needs. They're so good. Oh they my god! Great sales. <laughs> They're a distributor, so they sell things cheaper. They. Listen, I <laughs> I I am unabashedly fishing for a sponsor. It's fine. Dude, Miniature Market has an affiliate program coming soon. <laughs> what did I just say? What did I just say? Okay, we'll we'll talk about the miniature market affiliate program for no day, no problem. <laughs> but I don't even know how we got. Oh yeah, we were talking about the bullet because you you really like that creature. Yeah, I love land sharks. I love bullets or whatever. Uh, I'm all I love tremors. You know, I just love creatures that are in the ground that sense vibrations. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. You you love tremors the movie, not tremors like you don't like. The shaking of the earth. Mm-mm. Big no, fan I of the earth listen. shaking. <laughs> I'm listen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of earthquakes, unless they're uh, completely digital. 
<laughs> do you do you have a favorite sort of horror because we're talking about horror comedies? Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite horror comedy? Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Okay, that was quick. That was yeah. quick. Yeah, dude, that movie is so good. I don't think I've seen it. I think it's the first time I haven't You've seen never it. Seen... No. Uh, okay, you would love it. I know you would love it. You would be all about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. What a good movie. I'm looking at this right. Oh, it's got Alan Tudyk in it. Yeah, he's so good. Ah, okay. It is, uh, without spoiling, it is a movie about Tucker and Dale. Uh-huh. And then this group of your typical horror movie college kids. Okay. And what is a huge misunderstanding that turns into a horror film. Okay. Because uh, uh, Tucker and Dale are, are like your uh, classic, like, backwoods uh uh hillbillies right trying to live their simple life okay they just bought they just bought a cabin or something like that um and they're going there for vacation for the week uh to just fish and live life you know and they're gonna fix it up all that fun stuff right but the but the college kids are going back to this property that they're uh that like they think is abandoned and so they basically both of them sketch each other out oh. and it turns into a horror film filled <laughs> with awesome. just, and everything looks like an accident. Everything looks like it's purposeful, but it's all just like a bunch of misunderstandings. But it's all a misunderstanding. Cause like, uh, cool. uh, one of the, uh, brothers, no, they're not brothers. They're, their brothers are best friends. doesn't matter. Uh, one of them, uh, starts really liking one of the college girls and uh-huh. uh so he's trying to talk to her but he's really bad about talking to girls so he just sounds like a psychotic like, <laughs> hillbilly. <Hello>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome completely sketches though it's so good you would love this film oh well, well is... we should i'll watch it i'll, I'll see if i can find yeah, it yeah my I, i'm torn between two mm-hmm. my i really so there's this movie have you seen arachnophobia no so it's a movie from the 90s um and the thing i it just felt this like small town that's invaded by they're not like science fiction spiders they're just like regular spiders but big spiders that's actually probably the worst it's so what i what i really like about this movie is that the spiders are all like they're no they're not digital and they use real spiders in the movie they use there's a type of spider called the avondale spider from new zealand and they're harmless, but they're very big. They mm-hmm. like they look like the size of a tarantula, mm-hmm. and they had three hundred of them. And there are scenes where they like crawl along the walls and shit. And what's really cool is that they were able to wrangle the spiders using like heat, <laughs> <laughs> just scorching butts. Yeah, get, they, get over there. <laughs> you instead of like a sheepdog, they had like a, I don't know if it was a dude with like a uh, a blow dryer <laughs> trying to move <laughs> the spiders. But that's how they did it. Um, so and I they really... would just use like miniatures and stuff to make it look like they're huge, like perspective and no, stuff. No, no, no. It's not like the town is invaded by giant spiders. Oh, the they're town just is invaded big by ass, big ass, big spiders. ass, real spiders. Real they're spiders. Not, they're not. They're very deadly. Like, forced perspective to make it look like they're none massive. of that. No, no. Okay. So it's I, like you I see, like the house is just like covered. Honestly, I would rather just fight a giant spider. Like a like a comically large spider, right? You just blast that thing in the exoskeleton, and then for just whatever kinda... reason, a spider the size of my hand is so much scarier than a spider the size of a car. Dude, have you have you seen? I have not. how a spider. So okay, so one of my old jobs 
was filming and photographing arachnids. Oh yeah, uh, yes, I know about this. In like in macro photography, mm-hmm. and one of the first videos I shot for the Royal Ontario Museum was a it was a test video of a tarantula feeding on a cricket. Oh yes, you have shown me this. You and me this video before, dude. The thought of a giant spider freaks me the fuck out. A, they, they wouldn't be able to support the weight of their exoskeleton, but in this hypothetical scenario... Well, I mean, not these, with that attitude. These motherfuckers would grab you and dissolve you and drink you up. Like, that yeah, would fucking Yeah, if you're the size suck. of a cricket... Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That would suck. But e- even if back, they were, like, dog-sized spider, spider... Maybe a spider the size of a car is worse than a spider the size of my palm. Yeah, because, like... I'm thinking about like jumping spiders. Think about jumping spiders the size of a car. I'd rather not. Yeah, that shit would destroy you. Um, so arachnophobia is one, and the other one <laughs> is a James Gunn movie called Slither. Uh, it's got Nathan. Oh, Philly I in have it. heard of that. It is. I love it. It's the, the these these it's like these alien slugs. Um, it's just like a goofy, campy. Is that one like, of his rel- earliest films? I don't know. Like. I don't know much about his filmography, but um, Slither is like an older. Oh, that's his first movie as a director. First yeah. big movie as a director. Um, but I love that movie. I think it's very good. Um, well, that's how like, he and Michael Rooker developed a, a good relationship. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, movie right, is I remember, great. I remember it was either James Gunn or Michael Rooker that was talked. I thought, I thought they talked about it in some interview or something. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I just also know that Jenna Fisher from The Office is in it, and because she used to be married to James Gunn. Oh, uh, she was married to him during at the time of Slither. Movie is great. It's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah, Arachnophobia and Slither are my two picks. But we didn't even when you and I were planning this episode, we weren't even going to talk about like horror comedy. That is that is not it. It's not no, the episode no. is not Daniel and Drew survive the spider apocalypse. Or Daniel and Drew fight car-sized spiders. No, instead, it's about surviving issues at the table during during tabletop role-playing games. Dude, that was a great transition. I listen. That was I great. have a degree. I have a degree. <laughs> I I am educated. It's not in you know conversational transitions. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. So like heavy stuff our D game ended yeah you know and uh it makes me real sad i'm still really yeah. bummed i i am bummed when i think about it yeah but it's not dominating my mind you know yeah i think it's partially because my brain i think let go a little while ago yeah and and that's and knowing that your brain let go a little while ago bums me out even more Bums me out even more. So for oh, con- this gets so sad all of a sudden. I, uh, dude. So for context for the audience, we had a D and D game and we played for like two years, and I put a lot of work into it, and like you did too with yeah. your characters, and yeah. I was like testing out the world for Wandering Blades, uh, which we should talk about at the end of this episode. The oh, Wandering yeah. Blades uh, episodes I pitched to you. Um, the I, I put together this world and 
I had this big campaign and I was testing out basically Dungeons and Asians and our game just kind of, we were going weekly for a really long time. And then in the summer we went bi-weekly mm-hmm. and that killed the game. We No, no, going bi-weekly didn't kill the game. People just not having, I won't even say the right commitments, but people having conflicting commitments with our game um killed it i do you be ha- i don't even think so because I, no i'm not well, to no, no, not no. There to say are plenty, i disagree there are plenty of bi-weekly games that survive just fine yes bi-weekly games any game that has a longer period like the longer uh, amount of time. Sorry, I hold up a back scratcher. Yeah, <laughs> into the camera view. I, I've just been fiddling with it underneath the camera. That's view. okay. I've I've got a little toy I fiddle with too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. The longer amount of time that you have between sessions does inherently pose more of a risk that once you stop, you don't come back because there's such a there's such a longer period of time. If you play every week and you miss one okay you're back to you know in two weeks or you're back next week rather right but if you miss one in a bi-weekly game that's a whole month between sessions yeah that's hard to be bought into you know yeah so for me it was like i think i think one of the issues was that there was there were differing degrees of commitment mm-hmm. to the game. I think there were people who were like, you know what? I'm not, I'm just like, I'm just, oh, I forgot about the game. Or like, you know what? I'm going to eat dinner with my partner. Sorry, I can't play. And then mm-hmm. there were people who were like, I'm prepping for this. Or like, I'm developing this character. Um, or one of the players wasn't just like, wasn't feeling their character later on. And, which is okay but which is that, totally okay but in that case either change something about the character that makes you more interested or uh make a new character yeah and, and we had nothing these wrong com- with that and the, yeah exactly and we had conversations with this player like the whole group we had a conversation about like hey do you want to make a new character or do you want to change your class and they were just kind of like oh i'll just kind of you know keep keep trying with this one I'm like well it's not it's not work um and they ended up kind of checking out because they didn't like their character. And they were just, it's almost like they were watching the game as if it were an actual play. Sure. And for them, that kind of caused them to kind of fall out of it. Um, we had another player who just kind of just kept bailing or forgetting. Um, and mm-hmm. we were unfortunately at a point in the story where their character was very much a driver of the narrative. And with them constantly out, it just kind of kept killing each session. And then those who were like yourself, those who were like really committed to the game started to like check out because why why commit when the sessions are going to get canceled or we're not going to play for like a month? Yeah, uh, you know... Dozens of times at this point, it yeah. feels I have um, told people, you know, that I would really like to hang out with or do stuff with. Hey, 
uh listen i can't do it this sunday because i have dnd uh sorry you know we'll yeah. we'll try for a different day only to find out you know day of sometimes minute of sometimes mm-hmm. completely after the session yeah literally like an hour after we're just kind of sitting there like okay i guess i guess these people aren't showing up so we can't play because we have the policy in our group of uh it, it depends on the ratio like it depends on how many people we have at the table but we had four and so if one person's missing the the rest of us can play if two of the four players are missing then we do not play mm-hmm. but o- oftentimes like i said i would um say no to other opportunities because of this commitment and then i, I you know i'm here i'm online i'm right on time i'm excited to play and then two of them just don't show up and don't even say anything. Don't say anything. That's the thing. And at this point, like, it's way too late to try to be like, oh, do you guys still want to go do this thing? You know, I'm actually free. Yeah. You, you know? also don't want to be that guy who's saying no and then be like, oh, actually, you know what? I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, too, like, I was prepping less and less for each session because I was like, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. It's probably like we're probably not going to play. So, like, I'll and just you don't wing always it. get to because you don't know where things are going to go because we keep missing sessions. You don't know what to prep for next. So you just run into, I've prepped all that I can, which isn't very stimulating for the DM brain, at least in my opinion. Yep. Agreed. So it's just like, you just stop working on stuff. You you get out of the flow and the rhythm of play. And the hard um, part was that my prep was also my work on like the setting that I'm publishing. Mm-hmm. And so then I just lost steam on my own creative work. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, and then so when we kind of, you and I kind of talked privately, we were like, okay, we should probably say something and, you know, figure out a way to just end this, Let's pull the plug, take it outside, have it look at the flowers, you know, shoot it. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, healthy and respectful, honest communication is paramount to any such situation, but, you know that does not mean that the answer then or the outcome will be uh, we're still playing and it's all better now. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think that, that was ever going to be the case. No, 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 no. Because, because one person who was kind of driving a lot of these absences and canceled sessions just was kind of like, okay, cool. And like, just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And for me, that kind of hurt because it was like, this meant a lot to me. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I it did bother me that uh, it bothered me that they were just sort of immediately like, well, them's the breaks. Like that's how it goes. All right, bye. Yeah, it's like, okay, did did the game not mean anything to you? Like, did you just not care? Like, you're not going to even spend an ounce of effort fighting for the game or being like. Oh, I'm really sorry. Like, but I my fault, I can do, my bad. I, yeah, I can do better. You know, can we try to keep playing? You know, or you know, even if it's just a tokenary, uh, you know, response. Uh, you know. Yeah, I and don't know. That kind of like that kind of upset me for a while. Um, but you know, I should we also had... like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. You go. I was ahead. gonna say I should remind just as a note for everyone listening. 
we're all friends. We're all friends. We're all There's good. no hard feelings. There's no hard feelings. Yeah, yeah we're no, all no, good. no hard feelings. Uh, you're just getting the the Daniel and Drew vent time version of this. Yeah, uh, you know, because we're you know we want to talk about um, the impact that these sort of issues have on people at the table, and and how these things happen. And so, um, if we were painting an overwhelmingly negative picture of people, that is not what we mean. It's simply yeah. that in this particular issue are in this particular uh, problem, these things were happening. And I, and you know what? And, and we decided, well, some of us decide, decided that we would start another game hmm. without one person. And that's okay, hmm. right? Um, there is a question in the, uh, from one of our patrons that we should talk about sure. um, afterwards. But yeah, we're starting a new game. It's not D&D 5e. It's Pathfinder Second Edition, and oh, yeah. we're gonna try playing an adventure path uh, because I've actually never run one like the entire in in its entirety, and so we're gonna run the Blood Lords uh, adventure path. Uh, we're gonna start with the the first one, uh, Zombie Feast. Uh, and old I'm, Gab, baby. Good old Gab, and I'm like I'm I'm pretty hyped about it because I, I like the idea of you know, Gab. I like the idea that there is this nation of undead where they they don't eat, but they have this like undead labor force that just produces yeah so many resources for other nations. Um, I think it's cool. I I like the the conversations that are happening uh, in our group about like what what everybody's gonna be. Um, I know you're kind of leaning towards a goblin, right? Okay, so listen. Oh, okay, I want to know what your character is going to be for this one. Because okay. are you going to have? Is it going to be a lighter character than your previous one? Probably to some degree. We'll, so what are you we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll okay, so what uh, are you thinking right now for your character? Okay, so I really want to play a goblin. I've never played a small, like a smaller, uh, playable race in in anything really. Um, that at least that I can. It's ancestry remember. in Pathfinder Second Sorry. Edition. <laughs> um. I should know that I wrote for it. Yeah, you wrote <laughs> no. for Pathfinder. We're just gonna get roasted now. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. So James um, Case is gonna send us an email and be like, send me a, you're a cut. nasty DM. You're cut. No, he would never do that. <laughs> uh, but um, there is a ancestry or heritage, whatever, whatever the one that you pick that's like a more specific ancestry. But it's called the un it's called Unbreakable Goblin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's hilarious because it changes your ancestry HP from six to ten, which is a huge boost. Um, and you you get access to special ancestry feats that like make you just goofily, cartoonishly durable. Yeah, one of them's one of them's called Extra Squishy. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, because you're so like you're like cartoonishly rubbery, and so you can just yeah. fit through things better. You know. <laughs> yeah, your uh, rubbery them... physique makes it easier for you to wedge yourself into tight spaces and more difficult for your enemies to dislodge you. <laughs> you're just yeah. like I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm I'm out of here. Uh, there is a later one called Roll with It, which is like a reaction. Yeah, and so you, you when you get hit by a melee attack, you can use your reaction to roll with it, and you take the minimum amount of damage possible. Uh, so it's, it's so a good. Really good tank option. But the offset is that the enemy can move you up to 30 feet 
anywhere like in one direction that's so fun that's so fun fun. basically you get baseball batted and you just try to tuck and roll it is just so funny (laughs) to me Ah, oh, and then Unbreakable Er Goblin mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah, like yeah. the 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 thirteen one, and it's so good. Like you get twenty hit points from your ancestry, so you get double uh, of the base one, and then when you you don't take fall damage, you're just gonna no. bounce off shit. No, I was thinking about maybe playing like an inventor, because the inventor, uh, they can take a class feat. That allows them to rocket jump. And I was thinking about just <laughs> rocket jumping and like just falling. slamming down on people. <laughs> you just butt stomp everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. And I like, listen, uh, for those who have ever listened to me talk about like tabletop role playing games, what I prefer for characters, uh, I think uh, people know that I don't tend to play comedic characters. I will play them for one shots. I just struggled to give those kinds of characters depth or, or what I really want is like a really serious pun, like punchy story. Uh, but I want to, I want to give it a try. That does not mean the character has to like not have any reasonings or good narratives. I, I, he will, but I want to try to be a slightly more comedic or just, silly vibe character yeah like maybe your character if you go like inventor maybe your condition is the side effect of something that happened that would be fun and you well i mean basically you're just luffy from one piece <laughs> you, you just you just turned to luffy from one piece but you're a goblin and you butt stomp everyone i actually really I like it. that yeah it's so funny like you could surprise the enemies at the beginning of a round just by like falling out of the sky or if somebody gets like has like a real tanky character or a strong character they could just throw you and use you as a weapon actually um, i i really like that <laughs> the sorry i was looking up the feet on my phone um that sounds bad <laughs> which feet i was like oh we're looking up the feet <laughs> i'm just looking up feet on my phone while we're podcasting um no you it's you. the level 17 uh ancestry fee for goblin called reckless abandon it's a once per day thing where for the remainder of your turn, if you roll a failure or critical failure on a saving throw against a harmful effect, you get a success instead. Um, and, and further, enemies and hazards that would damage you this turn roll the minimum possible damage. So what that means is like it's just saying you could uh, decide to be just the most reckless person ever and run through the prismatic wall, automatically succeed and take the minimum amount of damage minimum. possible. It's so funny. It's so good. Like, you, you're basically unkillable. Yeah, and I just think that there's something special about Pathfinder's take on goblins where they allow them to be kind of silly, you know, yeah. and ju- just very funny. Uh, just a bunch of little guys, you know? Yeah, they're just ca- ca- causing mischief. Like, yeah. the uh, the goblins in uh, Starfinder mm-hmm. are, are great. Um, like the space goblins, they're like all of their all of their lore is that they like stowed away on a spaceship that left Galarian and then they got to Absalom Station and then they just basically <laughs> live in like all of the, the the crevices of the station and shit. And they have like <laughs> they're just so they're they're chaos. And yeah, uh, I, love no, I love I love them. I there is a lot to to love about Pathfinder, and I'm really excited uh, for us to start playing. One of the things that I think I I learned from our our two year game 
was that a i love playing games with you i think it's great i um, love playing games with you uh yeah can you imagine like, yeah, i really hate playing games with you Drew. yeah hey listen <laughs> i was gonna wait on this but can we talk about something real quick we should talk right now <laughs> no i like playing games with you um but one thing i learned was that i think that i have a tendency to plan really really long campaigns and one thing that I could have done if we're if we're kind of thinking back on the on the campaign and the and its fate is that I should have been very clear about how I felt about the game at the very beginning, how I and my how I wanted it to go like long term. And in order to do that, it would have required commitment from everyone. And I think I should have been clear about that. Um, that's that's what I feel like I should have done better on my end. Because I, you know it's hard. It's hard when a game ends, and I'm sure a lot of people experience this. When a game ends, you take it very personally. Because for me, it's like, oh, am I a shitty DM? Oh, like, sure, yeah. oh, is this is the story th- really bad? I th- I, th- I think, oh, am I a shitty DM when I have a good session? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I like, I like, do all this TTRPG stuff, and then man, my, I yeah. can't even run my home game. I uh, self-criticize to an unreasonable degree when I'm doing well. What do you, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel when I'm doing poorly, you know? Um, no, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I don't think you can be blamed for it because simply put, you just, you were not the reason it ended. Yeah. But you know, it's, uh, I, I don't think you know that me. communicating, I just don't think that communicating at the very beginning that you wanted to run a long campaign would have mattered because you would think that by year one, we all would know it's a long campaign, right? Yeah. Like, like that's true. Every I just people are making think... their second characters after their first ones die. Yeah. And besides, I, I feel like that was just the group assumption anyways, was that we were running long-term campaign yeah i just don't like assumptions you know i like to be i, uh, I think it's better to you know be what they say about assumptions what don't. They say? yeah don't <laughs> uh, but i think this actually brings in um a good question that uh one of our patrons uh miss mike michelle had for us um michelle asked uh how do you adjust when playing with people you love irl but don't jive with in play style so good friends but man, play, playing mm-hmm. RPGs with them is just not something you can do. How do you do that? So have you ever heard of social hacking? Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. You infiltrate their life. You already have. So you already got an end. A uh, real cyberpunk here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You. Maybe you take their dad on a date. You know? <laughs> okay. Take their dad on a date. Maybe their mom, but dad's funnier. You worm your way into their family life. Keep in mind, it this is most effective when your parents are married. Okay. You take him on a date. You wine and dine him. Mm-hmm. You get him attached to you. You become his mister or mistress, whatever. Mm-hmm. You ruin the family life. <laughs> <laughs> Just ruin their life. Yeah, yeah. You, so- you house wreck your friend's whole business so the answer to the the question i should clarify drew the question was 
you have a friend who you really care for, hmm? but their play style is just yeah, not for you. So your answer yeah. is you fucking ruin their life. No, no, no. You just give them enough stress in their life that's not attached to the game, but it forces them to withdraw from the game anyways. <laughs> you, that way you, you sabotage their life listen, so then you don't and, have to kick them and, out. Listen, and in the meantime, your friend is coming to you they're venting. They're really frustrated. They don't know it's you. They don't know that you're you're just some unnamed Mister or Mistress. You know, this double that's, that's right fucking here. up everything. That way, you're deepening the bonds of friendship between you and your friend. You're getting your friend out of the game so that you don't have to deal with their playstyle, and you get a lover. But do you think that you deepening your 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 bond with your friend whose yeah. playstyle doesn't match with you? make them want to just keep playing the game because they're like oh i'm spending time with my we have to go deeper we have to go deeper okay so you start going to their job you start going to their 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 place of business you wine and dine their boss if you get them fired though they're gonna be like oh my day (laughs) job sucks my personal life sucks my escape is this game you're just drawing them in more drew listen listen you have to by the end of this you have to create a harem of everyone close to this person. <laughs> you have to, you and so, have to so that you are the center of everything web. awful. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a real answer for this question. Um, because it's saying mine's not real. I have one that I have. I have an answer <laughs> that I've experienced from in real life. Let's say that. I've I have a a good friend who who is a friend of like a, a mutual of both of us who. Um, is great and um, I will uh, I'm going to send you a message right now Drew of who that friend is Um, I've known this person for a really long time I love them their play style matches with mine like I really like the way they play Uh, we have the same tastes and we were um I was in another game and they were looking for a new player and I invited this person Hmm. and the nobody else knew them. So I was like bringing in a new friend Mm -hmm. and the DM really fucking hated their play style and like just held it in. This person does have a very specific play style and it vibes with you and I. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. It vibes with you and I, but like, yeah, the other group did not like, this person yeah but it, yeah it, it, it got the point me, but the play style is so specific that i i see how it does not vibe with others and it luckily my group were all adults the group went to me and were like our campaign had ended and we were going to start a new one and they were like this person can't be in anyone and i'm like that's okay right i think for the most part with the question of how do you play with people you love but don't vibe with in terms of play style I think the answer is you don't play with them, right? Because I don't have to do everything with the same friends. Like, I don't have to play only TTRPGs with you, Drew, right? I, I mean, I, and I like, guess. yes, you're going to, yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do everything with, with your loved ones, with your friends, right? You're going to have friends who you really love playing RPGs with, and you're going to have friends that, you really like playing video games with or board games with. Um, and so for me, it's like, because tabletop RPGs are very intimate, 
because tabletop RPGs involve like a very, very tight social contract between everyone at the table, I want to make sure that play style is important. Like when we were starting our Pathfinder game, we were like, oh, very clear about, okay, what is the vibe that we want? Do we want something a little bit more chill? Do we want something super serious, like save the world sort of thing? Um, because we wanted to make sure that, A, we both liked each other in real life, and B, we were all looking for the same experience. And play style is very much linked to the kind of experience you're seeking at the table. Yeah. And my, so for, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, my play style is is fairly specific yeah you know i am someone who really far and above prefers narrative and not just like role play like oh i hate combat i love combat you know me um pathfinder (laughs) yeah i play i play i play miniature war games of course i love combat yeah (laughs) um it's just more like i love narrative and i love themes and i love story arcs and i love role-playing and i love character voices and i love you know these these uh i want to say to say convoluted but compelling bat stories you know um that that are fleshed out that make them feel like you're reading a small bio of someone's life i love all that kind of stuff so i don't really vibe with D or anything else where like I don't I don't jive with the play style of we are playing this game as an excuse to see each other where it's just mm-hmm. some casual shit and everyone's more interested in what kind of chips you brought than like what your character motives are. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that play style. I have had games where I've enjoyed that, but it's just not really my thing overall. Mm-hmm. And I know that when to to go back to what you said when it comes to just don't play with them. Of course, if you're already in a game with them, or they're really excited to play with you in a, in a in a you know upcoming campaign or something, of course the immediate thought is, oh God, how do I word this? Like, how do I say this to them? Yeah. Because how do you word that you don't want to play a game with someone without sounding like kind of an asshole about it? And what if they get mad? What if they don't understand? Well, yeah, they may not understand. They may get mad. But is it better for them to be mad at honest communication or for someone to blow up eventually because you've been playing for a year and you've gotten you know, steadily more frustrated with their behavior at the table or the way that they play versus how you play, and then that blows up into something that it didn't need to be? What's better? You yeah. know, yeah, it's like you know, sometimes it's sometimes it takes you as a player or a or a GM or whatever to be like, you know what, I'm gonna step away from this game. I, you know, what, like it's not for me, mm-hmm. or maybe you know, it's time to you know, need to, we'd all be adults to say, like, hey, look, I love you, but I don't think your play style or what you expect out of a game is going to match what is being organized here. And, and I, and yeah, look, if you told me that I'd be like, cool, that's fair. Yeah. Because it's not like I'm not going to chat with you. It's not like you're like, I am terminating our friendship because we cannot, we're not compatible enough. 
to play tabletop if we RPGs can't play D D together we can't, we be can't play a life together <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no absolutely and i'm really careful about who i play games with um now another solution is if like hey you know, they really want to play games and you're you're not going to, you don't want to have that difficult conversation. Sometimes you just can't. Maybe just play a shorter game. Like you don't have to get into a two-year game. Maybe play like a one-shot, maybe a two-shot. Uh, oh. Just to kind of, you know, have that experience, have, have that memory together. So I don't, you know, sit through it for that. Um, but yeah, I think we all have people who, we play games together with, and sometimes their style, it doesn't even have to just be tabletop RPGs. Sometimes their style just doesn't match ours. Like, And to be fair, if you are not jiving with her play style to the point where you're getting frustrated, chances are that they might be feeling the same way about your play style if it's clashing that much. And they also just don't know how to say anything. Yeah. Right? 100%. Because like. If they know their play style and they enjoy their play style, I mean, of course they will, but if they know what they're about, if they have that kind of self-awareness and that they have that kind of love for the game where they know how they like to play, and then they'll probably know that you're not jiving with just play style. And if they don't have that love for the game, whether that's due to inexperience or or simply apathy, then they may go, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, they're maybe not necessarily as bought in to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, it might not actually be that big of an issue, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Or social hacking. Or you use your Drew's social hacking strategy, or you just don't talk about it and you start a new game without somebody and you just don't mention it. Yes. The, the other alternative is to do that. A secret which, game. Listen, you can do that. I would just recommend not going onto your podcast and saying it out loud in a public forum where they could possibly hear about it. Absolutely. But you know what? It's, it's <laughs> like the thing that the way I see it is that like, if people want to join our game, we can have that conversation. I'm not saying like everyone be like, Daniel Drew, I want to join your game. That's not what I'm saying. But if like They're I have friends, yeah, if I have friends who are like, oh, I'd love to try playing Pathfinder or I'd love to try playing D&D or whatever. Can I like sit in for a session? We can talk about that. We can have a conversation. But again, everybody at the table has to be on board first. Um, I have tons of friends, like mutuals too with you, who I would love to like run a game for. Mm -hmm. Love to run a game for. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out the timing and, and everything like that, because I don't know about you, but I am super burnt out and I, I need a break. Um, sure. And so our Pathfinder game is all that I can handle right now. Um, and we haven't even started yet, <laughs> um, but, but I, I like what I see with this adventure and I think everyone's going to have a good time and we're mm -hmm. going to take the lessons the, and the experiences that we we had from the previous game into this one. And so we're going to make sure we do more like vibe chats, make sure everyone's feeling okay, make sure we're all communicating well, uh, which I think is very important. You good, Drew? Cool. 
Hold on. I'll be right oh, back. Okay. Um, now, while while Drew disappears oh, for just, a second, just, I don't know what's going on. Hold on. It's okay. It's okay. I'll just I'll just keep talking. Sure. Um, sure, sure, sure. I am really excited because. Drew's not here right now. He has stepped away for those who are listening to the audio. Um, but I have booked my plane ticket and hotel for Big Bad Con. That's right. Uh, Asians Represent is going to Big Bad Con. Um, I'm going to be staying at Big Bad Con with Emma and Drew. And I'm going to be flying down with Emma. We're going to be there from the 28th of September. Uh, we're going to get there at like mid mid-morning. And then we will fly back the evening of October the 2nd. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of time in San Francisco at the convention. And Drew and I have been talking a lot about what we want to do content-wise regarding No Dice, No Problem. And I think our plan right now is to record several episodes of the podcast. Uh, one is an episode of No Dice, No Problem in the lobby of the convention. We were going to sit down in the lobby, set up a camera, probably just use like a phone. I have like an actual uh, like pod mobile podcasting setup. We're going to set up there. We're going to sit down and we're just going to shoot the shit. And if people come by and, you know, they want to sit down with us, we will bring them into the conversation. And we're going to maybe do that for like two hours. A big No Dice, No Problem special. And it might be called Daniel and Drew sit in the lobby of Big Bad Con or Daniel and Drew podcast in a hotel lobby. Who knows? Um, but I'm really excited about that. We also talked about what we want to do in San Francisco. And we were both really excited about doing something very touristy and actually going to Alcatraz. Um, I've never been. I've been to San Francisco, um, but I have never been to Alcatraz. And Drew's coming back now and it looks oh, like he oh. hasn't it looks like he has an Amazon package. Um, but Drew and I both really like the idea of a no dice, no problem episode called Daniel and Drew go to Alcatraz. Oh my god, yes, we were just talking about this. <laughs> we were just talking about this. So I was just saying that, Drew, that we're going to Big Bad Con. We're staying yes, in a hotel course. together. We're gonna do a lobby <laughs> episode where people can just like come and join us. Yep. Uh, and we're gonna <laughs> It'll go be a disaster and I love it. it. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be chaos. And we're going to go to Alcatraz. It's going to be. And we'll Daniel, never leave. Daniel, dude, can you imagine we, Daniel and Drew go to Alcatraz and it's just the, the podcast is one of, I'm holding the camera. We got the mics and we're just talking while we're on the ferry going to Alcatraz. That's fun. I think that'd be great. Dude, they have uh, like three different options. They have a day tour, which is like two and a half hours, a night tour, which I think is a more fun option. Ooh. which is two and a half hours or they have a behind the scenes which is all of it's not all of that like both day and you're night. there you're there for 12 hours no no but it's like <laughs> five and a half hours and you get to see a ton of the uh island that you normally don't get to see in the tour what, what would and you want to do oh we only see the issues we have limited time well but here's the thing that at the con i don't think we're doing stuff in the evening you know what you fuck it I feel like so the I feel like we're going to be doing more stuff during the day at the con than we will in the evening. I feel like the behind the scenes tour would be more fun. Is that and the evening only, one? Uh, I think it's. No, it's a five and a half hour one, but I, I don't know when. Hold on. It's a lot of time. I don't think we have five and a half hours. 
I don't know. I'm very excited for us to, first of all, meet in person. We have never yeah, met in I person. Uh, yeah, fine. Um, I'm excited for us to meet in person, but I'm also really excited for us to just re- record a whole bunch of content. Imagine if we just had some time to sit in Alcatraz and just Daniel and Drew go to Alcatraz. Daniel and Drew escape from Alcatraz. God. Great. <laughs> yeah. We I record. Love, I I feel like they won't allow us to sit down and do a do a whole podcast. But we could record while we walk. Yeah, we just do, a, and we do. We release a special vlog. Yeah, something like that. I I don't know. I'm very excited for it. Um, but we should probably plan what we're gonna do. I would also love to. Um, uh, I believe that there is a Chinese museum in San Francisco, like uh, about the history of. Uh, yeah, I think there's a museum, and it's the Chinese Historical Society of America. Uh, I went there last time uh, I was in San Francisco, and it was really cool. Uh, right now, they actually have uh, a Bruce Lee exhibition. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I think that would be a, a fun place to go. But in general, I'm really happy that we're finally going to be at the same con together. We're going to yeah, be doing yeah. panels. Uh, we should still submit some more things, but we're going to be doing some panels. We're going to be doing live shows uh i'm excited for that workshop should they should they allow it and you submitted that correct yeah okay we we should we could talk about it because we're trying to manifest it right yeah i think we talked a little bit about it last episode yes when we talk uh for those of you who who did not listen to the last episode first of all shame on you uh Mm -hmm. second of all welcome to the show if this is the first time tuning in um but in the last episode we talked about uh, a workshop that you myself and emma are going to run about uh, world building and creating like your own fantasy culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very, very excited about that. That's going to be a small, small sort of episode. Uh, it might also be cool for us to, and like we had said, do a whole episode. Just just doing that, we create a culture right on the spot. Um, yeah, that could be cool. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's a good No Dice No Problem. But you and I need to talk about whether or not we want to have guests on No Dice No Problem. I'm down right? for it. Yeah, I think yeah. the the, the but not vibe for the has, whole time. No, I think the I feel vibe like it's has a nice. Right. I feel like it's a nice like 20, 30 minute segment. Okay, figure out the production side of things. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Which uh, maybe it needs to be recorded separately and then added on. Maybe something depending on schedules and whatever. Or we just do it as a uh, as a short video for the YouTube channel. Kind of like how uh, Jackie and I talk about talked about the the, the revised D and D monk. Yeah, um, that could work. We could do something like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, enough of big bad con. We have one other question. Yeah, we only from... talk about it every single. Uh, yeah, we talk about it every single time. <laughs> we have another question from patrons. Uh, Jeremy asked. Uh, people say play another system all the time on social media when talking about D and D's hold on the industry. But we all know there are many reasons why people stay tied to 5e, including sunk cost fallacy, the fact that this is what their friends play, etc. So Jeremy's questions are, what are the biggest hurdles you both have found when it comes to moving a gaming group to a new system? And two, what would your go-to strategies be for making this shift and helping people experience something new? So we should let's tackle the first question. Like, what are the biggest hurdles when moving 
a group from one system to another. Obviously, there is the uh, the issue of theme, right? Because we could say D and D to Pathfinder, but that's still fantasy. What if we were sure. doing D and D to Twilight Two Thousand? Or that's a huge shift. Huge shift, right? So first things first is the the first hurdle is theme. You need to make sure that the entire group is aligned on what the theme of the game is. If we're going to switch systems, are we switching to fantasy? Because that will, you know, allow us to uh, at least narrow down the the systems that we might play, right? So that's the first one, theme. Second one is going to be complexity. Uh, you and I have talked about like rules light versus rules heavy and the merits of both. Uh, rules light, I think, is easier to get into, but puts a lot of labor on the facilitator because of the ambiguities that exist within the system. Yeah. Uh, and then rules heavy, obviously, you have to master the system. But once you have done so, everything is very much handled by the system. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, so I, was, I, I had a, a formulation of a thought and then it evaporated. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I hope you I hope you find it in the ether. And if you do, just mm. like blurt it out. So we have theme, complexity. In my mind, another one that's very important is lethality. Like once we've settled on like theme, so we're like, okay, we want a fantasy game. We want it to be, you know, not too complex. How lethal do we want this to be? Do we want this? You know, are we going to play like an OSR game where you can die really quickly? Are we going to play Dungeon Crawl Classics and do a funnel where you're hopefully one of your level zero characters survives to become your level one character? Or are we going to play something that gives you that like power fantasy where you, mm -hmm. you are, for the most part, unkillable? I think lethality is a really important thing to talk about because it will further refine your your options yeah yeah because i yeah lethality is something that i feel like people don't think about very much they don't right you um know, but not everyone i think a lot of people take for granted the idea that characters die in a lot of role-playing games but not everyone likes that you know uh yeah. some people don't want their character to die whatsoever, which is totally fine. A member you know? of our group is like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I don't mind if they die as long as I, not, not even as long as, if they're going to die, I accept it. I, you know, that's okay. I would yeah. prefer, obviously, as a player, I would prefer for my character to not die, or if they are going to, then it has some sort of meaning, you know. But if they beef it, because they teleported bad and they're about oh, to hit. hit they're about to hit the surface of water at like Mach 5 uh and they're going to die yeah you know that them's them that's how it is I see what that's you how did. it is I and then when i did. don't die then there there then we then we kill then we kill our dnd game <laughs> then we kill our dnd game that's yeah, how that's I, actually yeah, that's the how last thing it. that happened <laughs> i got so mad that i didn't die that i killed the, that i was just like hey daniel I'm done. What we, what, I'm done. I'm done with giving. No, done. no, no. That's not. That's not <laughs> what happened. But I will say, uh, having experienced this a number of times, a lot of DMs are scared to kill player characters. Yeah, which is for... which is okay. But like in that particular case, my character is hurtling towards 
your character uh, should have died. The ground. If my character should die, I have no reaction spells. I've no, I've there's no feather fall. There's, there's, there's no literally nothing. no option. Yeah, we, you know, everyone did their best effort, and I think I rolled a die and I rolled real bad. Real, real bad. For me, the reason why I didn't kill your character, even though your character should have died, was because I felt like your character dying would have derailed where we were. Sure. To the point where it would have been hard for the group collectively to recover. I also think that your character's death would have been the result of a decision another character make and that made and that player I know would not have liked that. Yeah, that's fair. I that's just... the only reason why. Because I no, for I me, I would have been like, he goes splat. I I understand. I I just if there's anything I don't like more than my character dying from something stupid. It's then being saved from the thrown, thrown a bone. Oh yeah, I yeah. Know. I don't like being thrown bones. If I if I'm supposed to die, I, I am the same. I am the same. So right now, if I cannot weasel my way out, don't 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 hand yeah. of God and pluck me out of the situation. Totally. So we have so far theme, then complexity, then we have lethality, and then after that, yeah, you take their dad out on on a date. Oh my God, then you social hack. Um, the social hack. So, so those are the like the three obstacles that that I find. Um, I'll also say another one, uh, an important one, especially for our group, since you're the only one in the states. Two people are in Toronto, and then one Me. person is outside of Toronto. Another one is accessibility to rules and virtual tools, because I think for our group, as much as I would love for us to play three point five D and D. As much as I would love for us to do that, um, as much as I would love for us to, you know, play a, a lot of other systems, I think one thing that has been helpful in kind of transitioning from one system to another is the accessibility of um, online tools. Uh, mm -hmm. For us, like moving to Pathfinder Second Edition from using D and D Beyond, it has been so easy because we're just using Path Builder, mm -hmm. uh, and I will like I would like to use Pathfinder Nexus when you know, that thing is fully out. But right now we're using Path Builder. And that's been really easy because it helps with the any potential hurdles associated with the complexity of Pathfinder. Sure. Um, so theme, complexity, lethality, and then access, I think is really important. Accessibility. I, I think also, I don't think people always consider how many players are have never read the rules oh yeah you know you, how many people have just learned by sitting down at the table and the gm and the other player that knows a lot more than everyone else because they've also played for a long time uh have helped teach the table how to play because I have played lots of games with lots of groups and by far 90% of them have been mostly, or I would say 90% of those players were new. Yeah. You know, and that's or, why or com newer. complexity is important because the GM could be the only one who knows how to play. And then if yeah. we pick a complex game, that puts a lot of work on the GM yeah. or if we want or, to just something complex yeah. and nobody knows how to play, 
then you all have to crack open the books. Yeah. Yeah. And that means you all have to have access to it. Yeah. People. So it's sort of like. It's sort of like white privilege. <laughs> okay, follow, okay. No, hey, no, 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 okay. follow me along. Follow, okay, no, I'm following, along. I'm following, I'm following. In the sense like in, for instance, the US, many, yes, many white families also immigrated to America and came from nothing. But because of their status as white people in America, they were over the generations able to build up generational wealth, knowledge, and, and, and other advantages that other people simply weren't allowed to have or to build up and so that in that particular case what i mean by this is dnd has the benefit of having a sort of generational transition or that pass down of knowledge yeah. of there being a shit ton of players and gms who have gone and then taught new games new groups who have gone to teach their own and and so on and so forth and so you just have this collective sphere of knowledge and you do have it where I might be the GM and I have five players, two of which I've played quite a lot, three of which are brand new, but they don't ever need to crack open a book because I've played this game for so fucking long. Do I have it memorized? No, but it's fifth edition. I'll say whatever the fuck I it's want. So easy. You know, yeah, it's so but easy. There's also the, the one other factor is, you know, media, like, there are so many people who have never played D&D before but are avid Critical Role fans. Yeah. And kind of have a sense of how to play D&D just by watching Critical Role. Or they watched the new film or they yeah. uh or they love Lord of the Rings and you know they want they want that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, people are familiar with what or or they've seen Stranger Things, right? That's another one. Yeah. And they're familiar with what they want out of it. They 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 understand conceptually what it is, the but they may not Yeah. They don't have an expectation of a PBTA game that they don't even know. They don't even know what PBTA is, powered by the apocalypse, to begin with. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And so that's just difficult. And so one of the issues that I faced is that my own breadth of knowledge of tabletop role-playing games has been kind of neutered, if just because, yes, I have been playing anywhere from two to five games a week you play a lot for the past like 10 11 years or so i've been i have played a shit ton of DD. and so yeah there are moments where i do go i wish i could play something else let me just play anything else but any of my players whether they're fellow players or they're in my game they don't feel that way they don't want to and it's not because they even just like fear a new game or they don't want to change. They just don't care because they have played uh, uh, an eighth of what I've played. And so they're not burnt out of the system. They're not going, okay, I've done what I want out of this. I, I, I've gotten all my fill. I want to yeah. move on. They 100%. haven't had that yet. They just haven't. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, same thing with like Magic the Gathering. Like I love playing Magic the Gathering. Sure. but flesh and blood is like it's new and different and it's exciting I still only i still only played that one day we we gotta play dude we gotta okay. play okay. um we've also said that multiple times on the podcast. We, we have but we will we will um and i've just i've just <laughs> been enjoying learning something new but i wanted i set the expectation that i want to learn something new i want to 
suck at something. Yeah, but I also think that you and I are the personality types that like to learn and we like to get into new hobbies and go, what's this all about? There's comfort you know? in not knowing something when it comes to gaming for us. There's comfort in experimenting with a new system, discovering something new. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So to circle back our answers to Jeremy's questions of what are the biggest hurdles you both have found when it comes to moving a gaming group to a new system? Those are aligning on theme, complexity, lethality, and accessibility. And by accessibility, we mean access to tools and rules. Um, the second question Jeremy had was, what would what would your go-to strategies be for making this shift and helping new people experience something new? And honestly- so you, Oh, go ahead. You, know, you, you go, you go. So you know how at the mall every year there's a Santa Claus? Okay, so you're that Santa Claus, right? Okay, I'm that Santa you got, Claus. You got, you got this position because your new lover, their dad, used to be oh, the Santa he, Claus, but he's tired of it. His nepotism. back hurts. You get it. Okay. You get the job. And then when your uh, friend Jonathan comes up and is like, you know, uh, I don't know what I want for Christmas. You tell me. You'll go, hmm, Coriolis. Coriolis. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, what's that? And you pull it out of your prison pocket. You hand it to him. So my go-to strategy for... Yeah kind of shifting systems is a like once you've kind of gone through all those steps right once you've talked about theme complexity lethality and accessibility oh i thought you're talking about my social hacking and not your social hacking i'm not talking about Shit. becoming infiltrating their family then infiltrating their professional life um and then slowly undermining every aspect of they become being. their pastor you know yeah <laughs> um for me it's like Sometimes it's not your responsibility to help people experience something new, right? Sometimes, and I'm talking about this not as like a game designer, because I would love to have people experience something new. Everybody go buy Ross Rifles. Um, I'm talking about like with my friend group, sometimes it's not my responsibility to be like, hey, everybody, you should go and play this game. Or, but if we were transitioning to a new game, I would probably do it incrementally. And the thing that, and by that, I mean, I would probably do it over a course of like a couple of one shots. I probably say like, Hey, these are all of the, we've aligned on these four things. I have found two to three games that I think match this. Why don't we play a couple of one shots with these just to kind of get a sense of whether or not we like the system. And once we kind of have found what we like, then that will be our game. And that and that's 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 the easiest way I could think of it. Yeah, I you know, when we look at like Twitter discourse, my favorite oh, thing in the world. Love it. Um, when we look at just how we talk about this, I think in the the community, I think we naturally come at it from a i think the people who talk about this most often who, who talk about ah my players they're saying my players because they're the people who talk about this they're the gms they're the dms of their dnd group yep i feel like you know this is anecdotal to be fair but i feel like i never really see players going 
ah, my game group, my GM never wants to run anything else because players don't care and not in a negative way. They just don't feel the same. They're not so keyed into the system and so constantly inundating their life with it in that way that causes them to hate the system and want to move on. The the thing, yes, D&D 5th edition has its flaws, but the issue is it gives the players enough of what they want that they don't care to move on to something else. That's a good so, point. So while, yes, as the GM, as the, as the person organizing things, yes, sometimes we can get bored with the system and we want to move to other stuff, but it does come from its own sort of self-interested or self-centered reasoning because you want to move to a different system your players do not and that both of those are okay uh, it is totally okay to be bored with this with dnd fifth edition just like it's totally okay to be like i'll only eat fettuccine alfredo for the rest of my life you know it's ugh. what the fuck what'd you just go ugh for that shit fucking slaps bro you only eat that for the rest of your life i could easily and nothing else you I give mean, up I'm, everything yeah. else after maybe 40 years i'll be tired of it but you're but gonna like, give up all of the other dude i know you like food because you talked about all these different asian dishes you you like to eat you give up all of that you like okay. fettuccine alfredo that much so then you have to become their personal chef oh my god and when you do that <laughs> <laughs> no, anyways like, sorry go back to your, your thing to be fair the food to D is not a, a great analogy but the point still stands though is that when we talk about this, we are thinking about what we, veterans of uh, this whole business and people who revolve their entire world around this stuff, we're, we're coming out from our selfish perspective and not selfish in a morally bad way, just a how I feel way. Without taking into consideration that players just, most of them don't care, you know? And what can sometimes happen I feel is that the frustrations of the GM can sometimes just sour the whole bunch. Yeah. Fair. You know, you know, I I've seen that in some games, you know, uh, not in recent years, but in years previous uh, that I had played in. Um, so, so, so my take, so what I'm hearing is that, when we're talking about helping people switch to another game, one thing you kind of have to think about is who are you switching games for? Is it you or is it actually the group? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Are you, are you helping people who don't really want to be helped? Like, you know, to be fair, help has a positive moral connotation. Eh, you know, but do they want to do this? And I, I agree with you with what you said earlier. I do think that smaller one shots, you know, are, are good. For instance, a lot of games are coming out with quick start boxes. Yes. I would heavily suggest those because those rules are a bit more pared down. It's all prepped for you. So because for many of us, we're also trying to get into these games. We've never played it. We just want to play it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so these quick start boxes are a little bit easier. Um, I remember when 
some of my friends from Utah, they came to St. Louis and visited me for the week. And one night we just went to, uh, was it miniature market? Sure. It's always miniature market. Shout out to them, <laughs> you know, but we bought the call of Cthulhu quick start guide for like 20 bucks. And I ran it that night and it was fun. It wasn't perfect. You know, I didn't know the rules. Sometimes I was reading the rules as I was, you know, yeah. trying to deliberate. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. And we got the gist of the setting or of the system rather. Um, right. And if it wasn't for the fact that we live multiple states away from each other, I would have been like, yeah, this would be cool. Let's continue playing. You know, let's let's play next week. That's cool. Right. Of course. Um, because that then establishes a buy in. Yeah. That establishes that this is something because if I asked most of my players at D&D to name another system, I don't know if they could. And not because that's a bad, it's not a bad thing. They just know they just have this thing and they're, they're yeah, fine that's, with that's, this thing. That's what they're content with. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. saying, oh, the fact that you own a Honda Civic's wrong. I need to help you get a, uh, Ford F-150 or something, some bullshit. Yeah, it's like not our responsibility yeah. to get other people to play other games. Yeah. Within our friends. Yeah, but they have, and if they enjoy it, they enjoy it. Yes. I always I always preface that with <laughs> in our friend groups. Because if you're a publisher, if yeah. you're a creator, absolutely. I get it. It's a different conversation. Yeah. You need to get people to play your game. Go buy Ross Rifles. Um, but totally understanding. Um Yeah, or... this is not to say that the frustrations are not valid, you know, and of course. There mm -hmm. are many, uh, there are not even many, basically any tabletop role-playing game out there that is not Dungeons and Dragons would benefit immensely from people leaving and playing their game. Yeah, And, and yes, and I do wish there was a more even distribution. You know, I wish there were, uh, there. I wish there weren't so many HIO uh, games released that people buy because they're in the industry and they like it but no one plays it because yeah. everyone still just plays the same two or three games. I wish it was different. And I'm not saying it can't be, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't try. I just think that we don't always keep in mind that most of these players just do not want to play another game. hundred percent. And, and I mean, we saw that with the OGL thing. A lot of these people who are like, Oh, we're going to leave D and D. We're never going to play D and D again. And they're back to playing D and D. And it is not because they love Watsy. It's not because they have any loyalty to them. It's just because this is the game that I play. This is the core. This is the core memory maker with my friend group. Yeah. The thing that I love. And who am I and, to take that away from that person? Sure. You yeah. know, so I just sometimes think that we have to think about it a little bit differently. And so like, I would really like to play some other ones. Um, but I think, it, yeah, I think it would be best to just do some one-shots. Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, to be fair, this is not a long-term campaign game, but I would really like to get my players into playing 10 Candles every now and then. Oh, and... God. I constantly want to play that game because it's just so good. Yeah. It's and so good. I talked about, and see, oh, here, uh, so to your thing about themes, my players love horror. They love horror Ten candles. and and all of its in all of its ways, and they love my setting in our game. So what I said was, we should play this game that is a horror game that we can still set in this cool part of my setting 
that you guys are already interested in. Yeah. So in that way, it kind of pays to make your setting system agnostic. And oh, 100%. that way, because that then creates buy-in. If that's what your players are into. If your players are yeah. like, don't know about the setting or, or the setting is secondary to them and they just love the characters and the relationships between them, sure, it's sure. a different story. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. So yours is like, you want to run 10 candles for people. For me, it's Delta Green. Like yeah. I, I want to run Delta Green. It's not going to work for our group. No. Uh, simply not going to work. Did, but it will, it, it, it's, it, that it will never work for our group. Um, yeah. But I would love to assemble a group of our friends who are interested uh, in Delta Green because I have wanted to run it for for a really long time because I've only ever been a player. I would love to run it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so we've got one other question uh, that we'll cover and then we'll we'll move to wrap up because we were like, oh, let's go for an hour. And it's definitely more we've than We've already blown past it. Yeah, well past <laughs> it. Um, Soprano Devil on our Discord server asked, um, for online tables, do you have any apps slash tools to aid in time zone coordination and booking the darn thing? I'll say on one end, we're really lucky because the only person outside of our time zone is Drew, and it's only an hour difference. Uh, so it's it's real easy. Uh, in terms of coordination, one thing that I really like to use is a bot on Discord. Uh, we use a bot Apollo. called Apollo. Um, Apollo is a really good way of creating an event, setting it within a time zone, and then having people on a weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly basis RSVP to that event. And then Apollo will DM them and start a thread ahead of time, notifying them, hey, you have this thing coming up. It's a great, uh, it's a great bot. It's a really good bot. Honestly, that's, I think, the only, if you use Discord, and I know most people do, uh, Apollo is the way to kind of organize your TTRPG group if you're mm -hmm. split across different time zones because it sends you the um, it sends you the reminders and everything. I really like it. We use it for like internally at Asians Represent. We use it for our meetings. Uh, we use it for our home D and D game. It's it's real good. I really like Apollo. You know, one of the easiest things uh for me has always been and this is not necessarily not necessarily feasible for everyone but if you can avoid playing on the weekend do so mm. if you can play on a monday a tuesday wednesday or thursday especially those first three the monday through wednesday if you can play in those evenings try to do so because nobody ever has other plans on a monday tuesday or wednesday they are either <laughs> always going to something. They are either, you know, always going to karate on Wednesday night or they mm -hmm. do nothing on Wednesday night. They no one yep. ever goes, oh, my friends were, you know, wanting to go to the bar tonight. No yeah, one goes to the bar on a Tuesday. Like, you know, yeah. and if they do, do you want to be around them? Like, <laughs> like that's that's true. My my point is just that with the weekend. Yes, it feels like the most optimal time because but there are always going to be conflicts, though, because people like, yes. stuff, shit will always come up. Family stuff. Yes. Oh, you have an invitation to an out of town wedding. Yeah. Oh, you're going to go see a concert. Taylor Swift's in town. Whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. The weekend I, is a siren's call. If you because... cannot do if you if you can't do a weekday, 
yes, I get do the weekend, but if you have the ability to do a weekday, do it. Like yes. the Pathfinder game that we had with Jeremy, Jackie, and Emma was on a it weekday and we were always happened. Yeah, it was always good. happened. Unless there was an emergency, but it yeah, always which happened. That, that's understandable. That's understandable. But it always happened. And our game is now going to be on a weekday. Yeah. So it's just, I, I'm excited about that. People schedule on weekends because they feel like that's when they're most free because it's the weekend. The issue with that is that on the weekend, you're free for every, every everything. Everyone is <laughs> wants to do stuff on the weekends. And a lot of people don't reckon with the fact that they're giving up a weekend that they're giving up their Saturday nights, you know, yeah. especially like in my experience being with new players, they don't read they Yes. They agree to, Oh, we'll play every Sunday night. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that sounds great. And then when they have to live that commitment, it's much more difficult. And yeah, or like imagine the Saturday night one. Cause you're like, Oh, but then I can't go out. Yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't go do this and that. I, yeah. I would never now, play a TTRPG on a Saturday. In my group, it's not always so bad when we have to do stuff like that. But that's because in my uh, home game group, uh, I have it, it has been curated to incredibly dedicated players. Yes, but you don't you don't are, start out like that. No, no, you that, to, you, had, that you had to build be up to out. that. Yeah, you yeah. build up to that. Um, um, so yeah, I guess our answer is for for tools. Use Apollo for tips. Avoid weekends if you can. Yeah. And if you, don't if you don't use if you don't use Discord or if, whether for that functionality or just anything in general, if you just don't mm-hmm. ever use Discord, um, you know there are there are calendar apps. You know we used uh, Time Tree for a while was a mobile calendar app that was pretty good to schedule out everything and it could send you notifications. Um, you mm-hmm. could sync up uh, like a specific thing for your Google calendar where you all receive, you know, the that posting on your calendars, you know, so that you always have that, you know, upcoming. Yeah. And we happen to just be on Discord all the time, although one player in our group is not on Discord all the time. So, and, it, and it did become a challenge. Yeah, that, that um, can be a challenge. But yeah, that that said, that that's it for questions. Um are the 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 end of our D game is not all doom and gloom we have a lot of great memories from it great moments that i will remember for a very long time um and i'm excited for the new memories we're gonna make when we play zombie feast uh from pathfinder second edition i'm really excited about it um, yeah, i play my character johnny hotcock johnny hotcock um the goblin <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm I'm really hyped for it, um, and I'm just glad we we have a, another episode of No Dice No Problem in, in in the books. Now that said, we do have uh, two announcements. One, I will reiterate, Drew and I will both be at Big Bad Con in September. Very excited. Uh, we will both have dyed hair. Drew, you've already dyed your hair. Um. But I will be dyeing my hair for Big Bad Con. Oh, fuck what, yeah. what color? I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm not sure. You should do color. the exact same as me. Oh, yeah. We're going to do the same. I don't want to do Or you colors. do it inverse. inverse? Uh, you know, by, by September, this might be one. It'll probably be one solid color. Okay. This was fun for like the first go of this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not the first time you've dyed your hair, too. 
No, I I yeah. did a lot of uh, bleaching and dyeing in early college. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dye my hair. I don't know what color yet, but maybe we'll talk about that as a, as an agents represent community. Um, we vote. We vote. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what happened last time when I when I dyed my hair. Um, what we do is we assemble we assemble three options two that you want and two that and one that you really don't want but we don't say which one's which yeah but you're gonna tell everyone you're gonna tell everyone you're gonna be like yo vote for this one daniel hates yeah Um, i will seduce everyone's uh loved ones and i'll mention it to them and they'll start bringing it up you gotta uh, vote 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 vote. yeah but yeah so we're gonna go to big bad con it's gonna be daniel and drew go to alcatraz (laughs) that's what we're doing there um but yeah we're gonna be a big bad con and then it Speaking of voting, any awards? Agents Represent is is not nominated this year. Um, what a crime. I, f- I feel like the best podcast category needs to be evaluated because I think actual play needs to be its own category. Because there are a lot of TTRPG and media discussion podcasts that, and not just ours, that, that kind of gets left out. Um, though I'm not complaining, we've won twice. <laughs> Um, yeah, but we could be the three timer. We could be three time. Yeah, but I am. I am also nominated for uh, best family game and best rules for Avatar Legends alongside some amazing creators. Uh, so uh, if you are so inclined, please vote for Avatar Legends um, because I think that would be really awesome. Listen, voting for the president is important, but it's not as important as the Ennies this year. You need to. It's not get as important out as the Ennies. Your fucking seat. <laughs> Go to the po- you got a Pokemon. Go to the polls, and you, and you got to vote. All right, you got to do it. You gotta. If you don't, you're morally corrupt. Drew, are you gonna wear your your any medals to to be? Of the course God? I am. <laughs> of course I am. It's a shame that I only have the one because I wish I had the pair, like a like a pair of truck nuts. You know? Were you a, so you have the one because you joined us at that time. Yeah, no, I, guess. I I was there for when we won the first one, but they didn't give out. Um, I have one. I'll bring it to you. No, that, okay, that's great. I just I remember it being an issue the first time we won that they didn't give us enough for everyone. It was 2021. You will you don't have the 2021. You have the yeah. 2021. I have the 2022. 2022? Did we win in 2022? Wait, what did we do? 2021. No, no, no. We won 2020, 2020 and 2021. Yes, we won have, pandemic year. I have, yeah, which was the most important year to win. It is. Because uh, um, there's a lot of anti-Asian hate, and we won at the height of anti-Asian hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We took advantage for clout, and we <laughs> won. <laughs> Anyways, go out there. Oh. Vote for whoever. Vote, you vote know. whoever you want, but Avatar Legends, yeah, best family game and best rules. Um, y'all are awesome. And I'll, uh, say, I'll say you can vote, vote with your conscience, but you know I'm lying. Don't do that. Avatar Legends. Um, and yeah, vote along our party lines, please. What <laughs> the party lines of the Earth Kingdom? Um, <laughs> um, one other thing is that uh, Agents Represent is going to be on hiatus soon. Um, after episode 75 of the show, that is our season finale. Uh, we're going to take a, maybe a one or two month break from our, our normal content, but no dice, no problem will continue. Yeah, we don't take no breaks. We don't take no breaks. We don't take to be no fair. Breaks. We have 
a month long break between each episode. <laughs> well, we might be going. We might be going twice a month. I'll just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice a month, but shorter episodes. Mm, uh, theoretically. Theoretically, but you know, we just talk. Um, but yeah, that said, Asians represent. We'll go on hiatus episode. A- episode <laughs> after episode seventy five. But no dice, no problem. We'll continue. Who knows when we'll take a break? We'll probably take a break from no dice, no problem when we hate each other because it's just it's so easy to record these episodes. So I think we should go on break. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with really specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like, and then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come, join us in the muck at System Mastery.